I'll say something that is kind of a, a truism. It's just so obviously true, but we often need to be reminded of it. That love is a totally free gift. Otherwise, it's not love. If you have to earn love, if to do something to get someone to love you, then it's not actually love. It's something else. It's something utilitarian, something egocentric. Or if it's something that you can lose, like if you do something wrong and someone stops loving you, then that wasn't actually love. At least in the sense that love with a capital L, the love that God is, the love that we are made in the image of and that we long for most deeply, that we're made for, and the love with which God loves us is a totally free gift. It can't be earned and it can't be lost. But this is not like most loves that we experience in our lives. Most loves, human loves, are not like that. This is why God says in the Old Testament, one of the most um, constant attributes that the Old Testament gives to God is not lovingness or kindness, but faithfulness. That God is faithful. He never changes. Unlike human beings who one day they feel a certain way, another day they feel a different way, some days they love you, some days they don't, God is utterly faithful. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, God says. There's a great scene in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, when Jacob, who's the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, Jacob has the 12 sons who are the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And his youngest son, Joseph, of the famous Technicolor Dreamcoat, he, uh, he is J- Jacob's favorite son, because he's the son of his old age, it says. And it just says, uh, the other brothers, by the way, don't like Jacob for that, or Joseph for that reason because he's the favorite one, because he's the youngest. He also doesn't seem to be aware of his favoredness, and he just kind of walks around like he's special, and they don't really appreciate that. But Jacob, nonetheless, his love for him is just completely spontaneous. It's completely uh, natural to him. And it says that Jacob gives Joseph a fine robe. That's where the dream coat comes from. Um, He gives him this fine robe. And this robe is one of the things that the, uh, the other brothers resent because it's a sign of his favor. It's a sign that the father loves him no matter what. He just loves him because he's his. And it reminds me of the prodigal son story when um, the prodigal comes back after spending everything. He took all of his inheritance, all of the stuff that belonged to him and wasted it all. And yet the father brings out this robe that fits him perfectly. It's part of his inheritance that he can't lose. It's always there for him. Um, but like the prodigal, sometimes you feel like the father puts this robe on you. He just loves you. That's the love with which he loves you. He looks at you, not what you've done for him or what you failed to do, but just you. And he loves you completely, utterly. But you feel you're inside this robe and you're like, does this really fit? You know, sometimes it's like, how does love actually work? Because I'm still aware that I don't deserve this love. And so... In a way, the love is making me feel even more ashamed, even more inadequate and unworthy. Like, why do you still love me? I would rather earn your love because then I know I deserve it. Right? Or, um, yeah, how does, this, how does this love actually work? Um, what will motivate me to grow if you don't reject me if I'm bad? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do we believe deep down in our hearts some, somehow that love... Love is like a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm just going to be stuck in this, like, kind of unworthy state, and it's like, it's okay, God loves me anyway. Well, how does love work? Like, think about how you actually came into the world. 
You were just conceived, and then you just grew in your mother and drew life from her. You didn't do anything. You didn't ask to be conceived. You didn't ask to exist. You were just given it as a gift. And then what's meant to happen is that you belong to a family where you can be yourself. And that's good. And this family loves you no matter what. And they're always there for you. You'd start to develop your unique personality, your unique talents and gifts, and those things are affirmed and encouraged and fostered. And in this place of unconditional love, where our unique personality, our goodness is, is nurtured, our hearts mature and become loving themselves. And we learn to discern the voice of God, who is love. And we discern and we, we answer a call to a vocation, a, a structure of committed love in which we then become wellsprings of this love. And we are generous and self-emptying and self-giving. Just the way we've received that self-giving love, now we share it and allow that individuality and that personality to flourish in, in others. But there's a good chance that your experience was not like that, or not fully like that. That sometimes your individuality was, was not affirmed, but seen as something bad. That there was something wrong with you. Something to be fixed, or at least if you couldn't fix it, at least hide it. Pretend it doesn't exist. You know, be someone other than yourself, because that's what's really needed. That's what's really wanted. Maybe you felt that you were on your own, that there wasn't this love coming to you, that no one was coming to help you or to comfort you. Maybe you were, believed in, you were made to believe that wanting or needing that kind of love was a weakness, like a weakness to overcome, that actually you shouldn't need that. That's needy. That's bad. That's shameful. Maybe you even believe that God is someone who's standing at a distance with his arms crossed, just waiting for you to kind of get things together so he might start wanting to be around you. Maybe at times you've just given up on pleasing anyone, even God, and instead just giving into loving yourself, just taking care of yourself, finding ways to make others look at you, admire you, use them to feel good about yourself, or just be a sink of pleasure uh, to try to, to quiet this longing. But it never works and actually makes it even worse. Jesus wants something different for you. He wants something different for us that he's come to invite us into, and that's the Father's house, the home, the place of unconditional love, the place of gift. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. That there's a place in the Father's house for you that Jesus himself has prepared for you. He's going back there to prepare it, get it all nice and neat for you. Your room, your place in the family, in the home. And he's, co he's coming back for you to bring you there. But how, when I'm so lost, I'm so stuck in this loop of self-reliance, self-condemnation, self-love, in doubt that that kind of love even exists or that I should even want it, 
How do I go there? How do I actually follow him? That's what Philip says. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Or Thomas says that. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if you know me, you know the way to the Father. And that's the good news, that Jesus did not come to give you a roadmap or like a program. He didn't write a book and be like, if you do these things, your life will be happy. So do them. Read the book. He said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I came to give my flesh for the life of the world. I came not to be served, but to serve. He came not to give us a roadmap or a program or a book. He gave to, came to give himself. And so Jesus is the way home. Another way of saying it is Jesus is home. If you have Jesus, you are home wherever you go. And he always goes with you. So this summer, as you go on, this is the last Mass of the, of the year here at Newman, but not the last Mass of your summer. Wherever you go, you are home because the Lord is with you. This love, this place in the Father's house, this place in the Father's heart belongs to you. He's prepared it for you, and he wants to take you there. So go with him. But if you ever feel this discouragement, ever feel this, this restlessness towards self-reliance, self-love, you ever feel on your own, alone, to just call on Jesus. Ask him for help. Say, Lord, take me home. Take me to where real love is. Help me to believe in it. 